welcome to the 10th edition of Spin in Silver and Black. I'm here with my friend and longtime Raiders fan, Jacob Nava, who also happens to be a football coach. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well today. Uh, yeah, just glad to be on a podcast and be able to, you know, talk about the Raiders. is always a wonderful situation. Oh, yeah. And today is a jam-packed show. We talked about the Raiders playing a rich incognito, the team trying out wide receivers, including signing and releasing Jalen Marshall. And why Derek Carr is the QB of the present and future. So, before we dive right in, um, you're a football coach, but he talked about uh, like former players you have coached, where they are now, and give some background on the levels you have coached. Because I know you have coached in uh, California for a while. Yeah, so I've, I've I've been a youth football coach ever since I was even playing. So as soon as I got to high school, my dad was a youth coach in the area for Rancho Cucamonga Pop Warner. And at that point, I had become a junior coach. Um, even as of the beginning, I was still playing. Um, I do the Pop Warner program and then for various high schools in the area. I've coached at Altamoma High School, Colony High School, um, Corona High School, and Rialto High School. Those are all in the local area. So I, I've, I've actually come across quite a few guys that I've I've got to some coach extensively and some kids that I've got to coach, you know, um, you know, at just some degree. So the one off the offhand that everyone would kinda know would be Eric Weddle. He's also an Alpha alumni, the same school that I graduated from. Um and uh he played with my cousin Robert Bourne the second, who uh runs the uh program called Rare Breed in Southern California, who got to play at Colorado State. Um, there's actually a lot, a, a pretty long list of different kids that we have coached that are in the college level now. So, uh, if you go check out Rare Breeze website, you can find out who some of those kids are. But like I said, there's a, there's a list from back in 2002-ish of just kids that I've come across that I've been able to help get, you know, continue that journey. Oh, nice. Nice. And that's special to be, you know, someone like you helping to coach these players up and get them to where they want to be the next level and all that. Yeah, it's always a blessing. It's always good when you see kids that uh, you are able to touch some capacity and then that, that, that they're able to carry the skill sets that, that you might have imbued on them or if they have a, it's a word or something that they say, like, hey, you told me this at one point, and it just stuck with me. So it's, it's always fun to see that. Um, some kids you don't know, and sometimes you might, might be kids that you helped and they might not ever see them again, but you see the successes from a from a distance, and then you come across them again at some other random point, and they're still like, "Coach, hey, you know, it's always a wonderful feeling." So, like I said, no matter if if uh, like I said, if they remember hundred percent or if they don't, it's always just you know a great situation. Uh, one of the other kind of fun parts, uh, which I mean, I guess is a little bit sad now, is also just making friends with certain people. So, one of my friends who used to be uh, used to actually be my carpool buddy. When uh we were doing JUCO football at Chafee College, was actually a, a Raider Pro Bowler. So Marcel uh, Reese was actually one, you know, is actually one of my friends. Was I said one of my carpool guys way back, uh, way back when. So. <laughs> yeah, and you know, talking about the Raiders, you know, recently, uh, they tried Richie Incognito, who, as we all know, had a bullying scam with Jonathan Martin, who was diagnosed as crazy uh, in Miami, and then he was with the Bills for some time, 
and then now he's a free agent, and, you know, he's finally taking classes at Arizona State, but he also, over the summer, uh, threatened to shoot employees at a funeral home scheduling for his father who passed away in Arizona. There was a criminal threat, uh, both misdemeanors, um, against him, lodged against him in Arizona. The NFL has to wait on, um, the facts and everything in order to make a judgment. But what do you think about the Raiders trying him out? And do you think that it would help the Raiders in the future? Because, you know, coming from your background as a football coach, what what do you take from that? Yeah, um, like I said, when you get you get line guys, of course, there's a little bit of crazy to go along with them. That that normally comes with the territory over there. Uh, you have to be a special kind of guy to want to protect, uh, you know, your teammates and then put your body on a line like that all the time. Um, when it goes, you know, past the uh, the ability of just being on the football field, um, that's where we have to make sure that we can reel a guy back in like that. And so, what we would hope is that with the uh, like the leadership that Gruden's trying to put on, and hopefully the leadership that's going to be built on the team this year coming up, that they're able to put him in a good situation where uh, he's able to fall in line. So, so if there's a good support structure there, that can that can change a person's whole life. And this is one of the great things about football is when you do have that camaraderie, you do have that really family atmosphere on the football field, and those are like your guys in the trenches. You know, sometimes people say it's, it's the closest thing to like you know being in a in war with people, you know what I mean? You're physically putting your body out there. These are your brothers on the field with you. And as long as they have that, that, um, that connection with you, uh, that, that connection can go a long way because you understand that these people are putting their lives on the line the same way that you are. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and I know the offense line is a very, big aspect of the team because, you know, as the old thing goes, your team is built through the line, and protecting Derek Carr, keeping upright, is vitally important to the Raiders, and keeping any quarterback in any league is vitally important to keeping, you know, to having a winning record, to winning, to uh, do whatever, because, you know, you need a quarterback, and you need to support him to, you know, yeah. protect him from and injury. That, and his protection rate last year was actually um number six in the NFL at ninety one point six percent. I mean it was it was pretty good. I know, you know, as you uh said yesterday, uh it was um running backs average four point two yards per carry. You know, all around the line was pretty good, but, you know, how would adding someone like if the Raiders were to add incognito? How yeah, do you a, think offense line would be better because of it? Yeah, absolutely. Like you think when you have someone that that that's rated that high, like you said, as as, as far as their, uh, you know, you rank number six uh, for anything in the NFL. It's absolutely amazing, right? So, uh, so him to be ranked that high as far as protection goes for the quarterback, and that's vital. Like you think we need to definitely. I mean, that that was that was. It, uh, Oakland, they're they were ranked number six in terms of protection rate of Derek Carr last year. 
Oh, okay, okay, okay. I thought you had said Incognito was ranked number six. Yeah. So I, the offensive line, of course, overall, I thought it was a very great unit last year. Uh, as we had talked about previously, uh, when you have three running backs all averaging over 4.2 yards to carry, uh, that says a lot about the offensive line. And in, in, in one shard last year, uh, topping out at about 4.7. So uh, that, that means that the offensive line is moving somebody. So when you're adding someone like an Incognito there, um, like I say, it can't do anything except for make the offensive line better. And like we're talking where it becomes a mutually beneficial situation because there's such already a strong group, they'll be able to, you know, gather around him and they'll be able to bring the best out of Incognito. So we'll see the best version of him, I think, as being rated. Yeah, and I know a lot of people like Field Yates, among other people feel like it will be done at some point because the reports are that the Raiders are waiting until the NFL hands down the suspension to Incognito to see if it's, you know, worth signing him. And taking classes at Arizona State is good on a, you know, personal level. Everything shows he's committed to, you know, sort of rehabilitating himself, sort of improving himself for the better. Of course, he still had issues this past year, but, you know, if you have a good support system around you in Oakland, in which case the Raiders are building with Cleveland, Farrell, with Hunter Renfro, with all these leaders that they drafted for the locker room, you have a good support cast around them. And in the locker room, it should help, um, you know, even everyone out in order to build them up for them to become the next leader. I mean, Coming from your uh, background as a football coach, again, you, I bet you see us in the locker room, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the, that's the two parts. I've been on a coaching staff where, as coaches, we have to imbue a certain amount of leadership out there because that's our natural job, uh, especially at the, I'm at the high school level. So, of course, we are dealing with young men, and so we are kind of for mentee type of relationship there. But one of the important things I start every year to uh, imbue in some of the young guys is that there has to be on-field leadership. There has to be those guys, those guys that are in the trenches with you, those guys that are on the field with you, those guys that want to battle with you. Some of them have to step up and be leaders as well. Now, in the NFL level, it's a little bit different, too, because not only do you have to have the backing of, like, the coaches, um, you know, allowing you to take that full leadership role, but you also have to have management and everyone else also back you because you never know, you know, <laughs> when they might want to just trade somebody. <laughs> so um, that that is the the it has to come. The leadership comes all the way from the top, and it is kind of a chain of, of, of a hierarchy that goes in there. But as long as the coaches are backing the right players, and those players are pushing out that leadership role and taking it to the next level, uh, like 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 th- those are the things that can affect everybody on the team in a very positive. That is something that definitely needs to happen. Definitely need those real, just field, you know, field generals, those real, just uh, those those player leaders out there. That that's definitely something that we need to really change the culture. Four and twelve is not where we want to be, and we definitely need a culture change. Um, and some of the guys have already been there. So when we're looking at like uh, we'll get to our quarterback situation in a minute. Like we we're not that far removed from where we were. We were being talked about as being the favorite for the Super Bowl that year, until the injury happened. So. Um, you know, hopefully some of these young leaders also can infuse, uh, you know, reinvigorate the guys that have already been to that level 
and get us right back to where we're we're one of the upper echelon teams in the NFL this year. Yeah, and you know, I know when we recorded the show yesterday, but it didn't upload. Um, we didn't so we didn't get to Trent Brown, but you know, I I'd sort of like to talk about him, you know, being the right tackle for the Raiders this year because it's more of a run uh run blocking scheme. I mean he had he's a he was an excellent pass blocker at the position in twenty seventeen when he was in San Francisco playing right tackle. He was a top six pack blocking pass blocking efficiency according to Pro Football Focus. He had ninety seven pass blocking rating and he was also, you know, one of the better tackles in the league in twenty seventeen. You know, but having him as right tackle, you know, instead of left tackle, because a lot of the common complaint was that you pay a left tackle that much, you don't pay a right tackle that much. But on the other hand, you know, other people argue that any position on the line matters and any position on the line you need to focus on. And why, why or why is that not a good move? Having Trent Brown on the right side, I I know, um, you know, of course, again, coming from your X's and O's side of things, um, where do you fall on that? Um, you know, quality players always deserve to get paid. Um, sometimes people get, um, they get caught up on some of the wrong details. In, in honesty. Now, theoretically, the reason why the left tackle is more important than the right tackle is because most quarterbacks are right-handed, which means the blind side, their natural blind side when you're dropping, because normally when you're in any kind of drop, um, you're, you're going to kind of put your left shoulder upfield, and then your right shoulder and your right foot are going to be your trail. You know what I mean? They're going to be they're going to be behind you. No one no one really drops back uh, square too often, and uh, so because of that. It tends to be your blind spot's going to be on your left side, so that's why the left tackle normally is more important. A quarterback from the right side, normally because that's the side that their body faces, can usually see the rush coming and get the ball out of their hands before the pressure gets to them. Um, is what the theory is. Now, if you actually watch football games, you know that's not always how that happens. You'll see times quarterbacks get smashed right in the face, where you're like, "How did he not see that guy that's coming directly at him?" And that was definitely not his blind side. So, so um, to me, just like I said, if, if a guy is a quality player, you can look back on film and see, hey, the, the amount of work that he's done on the offensive line, that matters. Thing is what you're just saying. Uh, with the offensive line, it's not like it's just one guy type of thing. You need five. You need five solid guys out there to really make it happen. You have to be a solid unit across the board that, that makes a difference. Have a weak link. You're know, only as strong as your weakest link. So if you have any weak links in the in the offensive line, you know, it's, it's going to be detrimental to the whole. So, hey, if you know he's a quality guy. You know he's a guy that can get the job done. Pay the man. It's perfectly. I have no issue with that. Yeah, because as you said earlier, you know about Derek Carr before he went down with the injury. The Raiders are talking about as the. David for the Super Bowl in 
2014 in 2016, you know, they were talked about as a favorite before he went down. And, you know, you need that line to stay healthy. And you need that line to be good in order to prevent that those injuries and to further, you know, help Derek Carr progress and grow as an NFL quarterback and grow in John Gruden's system. Exactly. I mean, six eight three eighty. You don't you don't get too many guys that are like six eight three sixty. You know what I'm saying? That dude's huge. So <laughs> it's not, doesn't seem like something you just replace. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like you said, have a good cohesive line. Someone that's already been there. Someone that's kind of like you said, been on the winning streak and the winning track before, and uh. You know, kind of, kind of had that taste so we can get back on it. And uh, when we get the car, kind of the thing we had talked about the other day. So it's, it's uh, kind of reinstilling his confidence. And so some of that times when you have those guys that have been with you and they believe in you, that also, you know, it's energetic feed where, hey, they're confident because they know what you've done and you know what they've done. So uh, you have your offensive line guy that you know to protect you and let you get the job done. That's, you know, that's just another one up. So I, uh, like I said, I have no problem with it. I think it's a good move. I think it's going to work out. Yeah. I mean, and then you're also trying out incognito, and you have these guys, other guys with experience in the system, in which case they should all bounce ideas off each other in order to improve one another because they all come from different backgrounds. But, you know, the ultimate goal is keeping the quarterback upright in order to win football games. I mean, th- I mean that's just coach speak, but you know, it it's true. Absolutely. And then, you know, talking about keeping Derek Carr upright, in the twenty sixteen season he had uh completed about sixty four percent of his passes for a shade under four thousand yards with twenty eight touchdowns, six interceptions with a ninety six seven QB rating, and he was on you know, he was an astronomical pace to be, you know, a top 10 quarterback being a top second round pick in the NFL draft. And, I mean, being a top pick in the NFL draft in 2014, coming out of Fresno State after his brother David was a bust uh, being drafted by Houston, you know, you need a quarterback like that, but there's been some talk this offseason about, oh, the Raiders need to replace them. The Raiders need to do this and such with them. Oh, Kyler Murray is there. Why don't the Raiders just draft him? Why is it good for them to stick with Carr? And why do the Raiders need to stick with Carr through the thick and thin? So, like we said, he, he's just a few years removed from being an MVP. And there's something to be said when the team had, had been kind of on a losing post and a losing streak and to be the guy to change that. And, and you know what I mean? Before Carr came, it was the last time that we were actually in a legitimate playoff race. Okay. Uh, so being able to just change the demeanor and the outlook of a team matters. There's a, there's a part statistically where you're talking about, and even looking at last year's stats where, he threw for 4,000 yards, 19 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and a 93.9 rating. 
that's a good season. And the reason why we bring that up is because the year prior is that he was making plays. There's there's a part that goes outside of stats, outside of measurables, and there's a belief of I can make plays and I can make stuff happen and I can will victory. And that's what he had before. Now, when you get injuries, you recover physically faster than you recover mentally. So right now, physically, it looks like he's getting back to where he was. It looks like he's about there. But that that mental part of that feel of that aura of invincibility that he had, that was what I think would return this year. So that is just sometimes some injuries. Like I said, it, even though the, physically the injury is okay, mentally you still you don't quite you know take chances on stuff. You don't quite you know push off the same way. So there's, there's just that little extra that ends up missing. But what I think is, and I'm and I'm basing this off of too what I look at uh Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer had one of these seasons with Cincinnati. Cincinnati was perennially terrible, and he had gotten into it. It was like the mm-hmm. first time that, I think it was 2005, and that was like the first time that they had swept uh, Pittsburgh in years. And he ended up throwing the first touchdown of the game very early on against Pittsburgh in the playoff game. And then uh, he ended up rolling, his, you know, he ended up getting rolled up on that and then injuring his, you know, having a leg injury. Um, and that put him down for a couple of years. And then a couple of people kind of wrote him off. And then there's this major resurgence that he had at Arizona. I feel like if we let go of Carr, he would have the same list story to what Carson Palmer had. Where all of a sudden it's like, hey, people kind of, you know, wrote this kid off. That maybe he might have been washed up. And all of a sudden he goes somewhere else and he's killing it. And unfortunately, that's been our, the MO with our last couple players that were all part of that nucleus, right? We let go of Khalil Mapp. He, he went to Chicago and was having a phenomenal season. We let go of Amari Cooper. He went over to Dallas and was carrying them to victory. The uh, Thanksgiving games last year was the most heartbreaking thing I think I've watched uh, in football for a while because <laughs> it was like we're watching the former Raiders both just kill it on you know on on Thanksgiving. You know, almost brought me to tears last year. So um, I don't want that to be a third guy. My belief is that, hey, last year's finding a new system. You're kind of finding what Gruden likes to do. You guys are finding what you guys can do with each other. Uh, part of that invincibility and that aura that that car had of really pushing what he could do came from dealing with Jack Del Rio. Jack was kind of like, hey, I'm going to make a chance. I still remember when one of the guys was talking about a, a reporter had brought up uh, statistically there was a, it was a, one of the early games and Del Rio shouldn't have went forward by what statistics say. And then Del Rio said, well, that's why we're both glad you're not the coach, right? Because he had the, he took the chance because sometimes statistics doesn't matter. I believe in this kid's going to make the play. And hopefully we get Gruden and starts having that confidence. It's hard to start believing that he believes that this kid can make the play. Hopefully Karsh gets that belief back in himself enough to make Gruden understand that he's that guy. He's the one that can make those plays. And this is going to be the season he's going to get back on track. Some odd reason I say if we get to the end of the season and he has not on track, I'll completely change my standpoint. But I definitely think he at least needs this season because it looks like he's getting back on the right path. And I believe this will be that where mentally he clicks back over again and he's going to get back to being the old Derek Carr. Yeah. And you definitely need that continuity also at that position because Bruce often, you know, learn overnight. It's more of a complex system with different routes, with different. Um, aspects to it that you know that you need to have a cerebral quarterback, you need to have 
that experience in the system in order to, you know, pull out in order to um win. You know, you need that experience in order to put you over the top because if if you're starting from new from scratch, I mean, he won in his first year in Tampa Bay, but you know that we can just say, I mean, that might be an be an anomaly, but certainly with the Raiders with a young team with you know a lot of new guys you need to have that experience at the most important position because as you all know quarterback is the most important position of any team i mean new england wouldn't be the same without tom brady um look at sandy i mean look at the la chargers they wouldn't be the same without phil rivers um for a while there, uh, Denver won, had probably won the championship without Payne Manning as a quarterback in the playoffs. I mean, defense carried the team as well, but you know they wouldn't have won without uh, Payne Manning's leadership. You know, you need these quarterbacks to learn the system, to be in the system, to win, especially in a system such as uh, John Gruden's. And Absolutely. another another point to bring up is that, you know, Derek Carr had a stretch of games where he had no interceptions at all. I mean, you can't you can't not overlook that. I mean you cannot not overlook that because, you know, having a ten game stretch of no interceptions is just phenomenal as a quarterback in the NFL because in those systems with the players that he was playing with, you need there's a certain level of trust and you know, to show that over an extended period of time, that means, you know, you sort of build trust up in the locker room, in the, amongst the coaching staff to say, look, I can be trusted with the ball. I take care of the ball. And, you know, that at, that's who I am because, you know, I mean, even though he ranked, uh, he was tied for 12th in the league in interceptions with, uh, 10 this past year doesn't mean that, you know, he's that type of quarterback. It's that, you know, you have to look at his point cast and everything. But, you know, Derek yeah. Carr has shown that he can be, you know, that guy. And he has shown in the past taking the team to a playoffs where, you know, the Raiders were, you know, one of the worst teams in the NFL for one of the longest stretches of time. And then you draft your car and things change and you have your future now <laughs> and yeah. you're building a nucleus. Now you're bringing guys around now and why get rid of him now if, you know, he has proven in the past that he can be trusted. Yeah. And, and one of the, one of the big things that is a definite, uh, where you have is the addition of Antonio Brown. Bringing in Antonio Brown, this just changes the whole game, period. So now you have this guy, too. Like you said, when he has those streaks, like, hey, you're figuring out the system. So not turning the ball over and having the streaks between games and those turnovers where no interceptions, that means you're figuring out the system a little bit better, right? Now, some of the mistakes you might have made earlier, uh, those are starting to go when you're starting to understand it better. 
But now you have this weapon. Like Antonio Brown is not just a deep threat. He's that he's that kind of threat you could throw a quick slant to, and this man's taking it sixty yards to the house. That changes a lot. Changes a whole whole lot. And remember, as we had spoke before, one of the important things with the relationship of Carr and AB is that it seems like they genuinely like each other, and it seems like they genuinely have been building a good relationship with each other. Um, it's different when people go and play football because it's a business, so it's like a work type of environment, and it's a whole other thing because I play football because I love football, oh, and I love playing with the guys that, that I got around. And when you have a receiver and a quarterback that absolutely love playing with each other, that is such a deadly combination. Like You, you have to let this play out. You have to let this play out this year. It's gonna be it's gonna be ridiculous with the rapport that they've already been building with each other. They they all have something to prove. Carr has to still prove that he's still the guy out here. He has to prove that he is that that, that wasn't an accident. He is this dude. He's legitimately this dude. He's not gonna be a bust again. He's not gonna be a bust like his brother was or anything like that. That that year was it was not just an aberration. No, he's that dude. A B has all kind of stuff he needs to prove. Because he needs to show that, hey, it wasn't just the Steeler system. I seen something the other day when they were talking about how every time there's been a, a marquee receiver that leaves the Steelers, that they usually fall off statistically. They kind of just go by the wayside. So they're making it more so like, oh, it's been the Steelers system. It's really been producing these guys, not these guys just being, you know, badass receivers. So AB has to change that narrative. So he definitely wants to prove all of that. And you're looking at how everything went, how it all shook out out there in, in Pittsburgh. He definitely had a chip on his shoulder. And he definitely has something to prove to show them that that was a mistake for them to let. So I like that. I, I think it's just, like, again, one of those things I like to use that word again, the synergy. I just think it's just the dynamic chemistry that's going to happen. It's going to be just an explosion of, of synergy out here. And I, I just think it's going to be all kind of fun and ridiculousness happening in the silver and black. Yeah, I mean, you know, it it's definitely looking that way, and with and it helps with continuity, it helps with the Raiders focused on depth this past year, focused on you know being competitive this year because the Raiders know they have a target on the back to win Vegas in year one because of the success of the Golden Knights going to Stanley Cup in year one, going into the playoffs in year two. They have a target on their back to be competitive and to inspire hope. You know, this year they look like they can start to compete. You know, the Derek Carr is still in the fold. Offensive line is there. You have your tight end, and you're still focusing on building your team to be the best version of itself. And 2019 heading into the 2020 season and if if I may bring up another point about Carr I mean his every season if you look at his besides 2017 his passing has gone up or stayed relatively the same each season first season 2014 Threw for 3,300 yards, 58% completion percentage. Um, then in 2015, 3,987 yards, 61%. Uh, 2016, 3,937, 63.8%. A little, he fell behind in 2017, 
with 3,500 yards, 63% completion percent. But this past year, his completion percent was the best it has ever been at 69% and throwing for over 4,000 yards. The best statistical season he has, not looking at the touchdowns, not looking at the interceptions, and his average pass was 7.3 yard average. I mean, that's great if you look at the statistics. And, you know, it honestly, it looks like his second best year ever in the pros. And he can't just replace that productivity overnight. And it takes, you cannot find another franchise quarterback overnight. And Derek Carr, his contract right now looks to be about market value at $25 million because, you know, quarterbacks now have, you look at what Russell Wilson got, over $30 million a season in Seattle. And Derek Carr only get $25 million, $25 million with the season he, he had in the first year of the system. I can only envision him to grow from his first year, learn from the mistakes, and further grow in the system with the amount of weapons he has. You know, because every um every Batman needs a Robin and, you know, Derek Carr's Robin this year looks to be um Antonio Brown. <laughs> and I'll let Antonio Brown hear that. He's gonna tell you he he's gonna tell you it's Batman and Superman this Justice League. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I mean, I'm sure Antonio Brown's gonna be a force to be reckoned with, but you know, Derek Carr, the quarterback, is commonly viewed as the face of the franchise. I mean, wide receivers get their fair share, but um, over it's been mostly quarterbacks. I mean. We look at the Patriots. You don't think of, oh, um, Edelman, you know, the latest Super Bowl MVP. You think of, oh, yeah, it's Brady's team. You don't look at, um, I mean, you look at, uh, you looked at the Steelers for a while. I mean, you saw Antonio Brown there, but it was viewed as Big Ben's team. It was viewed as Flacco's team in. Uh, with the Ravens, it was viewed as Tannehill's team in Miami before he got traded this past offseason. You see it as, you don't see it as, in, I mean, in Houston, you see it as Deshaun Watson's team. You don't see it as their wide receiver, their wide receiver's team. You see every single team as so much their quarterback team. That, so that's the reason I said that every Batman car needs his oh, Robin yeah. Brown. Yeah, nah, nah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm just saying how the receivers view themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They they all they always a lot of them view themselves as you know the next up and coming. I mean, they they get paid like it, but you know they're commonly viewed amongst fans, amongst non-fans, as the psychic, the one helping the quarterbacks out. You know, 
but Antonio Brown, his attitude is going to put him at the forefront of a team, and they're going to view him as a star of the team nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's definitely going to be a great relationship between them either way. Uh, like I said, can't wait to see what kind of fireworks they put on the field. Yeah, and then um, to, to wrap up, you know, the, our retaping of the first uh segment, you know, uh, stay stay tuned. Yeah, you should listen to uh how we further expand on how Derek Carr and why Derek Carr deserves to be the quarterback next year the Raiders and why is the quarterback of the future so stay tuned talking about Carr, I mean I I mean I'm a big stack guy myself and I see his stats I mean he danger plays according to uh playprofile.com I mean any unnecessary risk he was he ranked 10th in that um deep ball attempts which uh I know Antonio Brown is a big big target for him a big new target when he um plays. I mean, he's going to help Carr out, and I mean, he was average in the league, ranking 16th in that category of yard 20 passes thrown 20 yards further down the field. I mean, I I see Antonio Brown helping out this year because last year I didn't see him trusting Amari Cooper when he played there as much as he should have because Amari Cooper. I said this last week, Mike Cooper was not a proven commodity, whereas Antonio Brown is a proven commodity who will help uh, car out, hunt, I mean, as um, the rest of the wide receiving core will do this year. Luke Wilson will help him out in the tight end core, and these are the additions that they brought on, as well as what he did last year. It's definitely going to help um, Car out this year in the areas that I struggled last year because I mean he ranked in the top half of the league in passing touchdowns point two. I mean he, overall he was he was a pretty I mean above average quarterback in the league. I mean his salary is of course upper half in the league and you know I I don't I don't see Car as fun because you know they didn't have as many weapons they were introducing a first year offense and always takes. In my opinion, you can give yours that it takes more than a season to implement your own system, your offense, and have your own players in your own system. Uh, that that can be the case. Sometimes you do get kids, or you do get people that just fit a system a lot better. Um, some some systems are easier to tailor around the players, and then sometimes some systems are very specific, and then the players all have to really adjust to that system. And that that's always the um, one of the things that coaches fall into uh, what they have to figure out. And that's where, where John seems more of a, yeah, he needs the right guys that fit his system. Um, but I'm not sure, again, because his history, I'm not sure if the draft is usually the way to do that. Uh, normally for him, historically, it's been veteran players that kind of, you know, make that happen. Like I said, the, the Raiders Super Bowl team, remember Tim Brown, Jerry Rice, and all these guys were, yeah. Uh, of course, all great players, Hall of Fame players, but at that time they were not still Hall of Fame caliber. But 
they were so knowledgeable that they were able to make these things still happen. Uh, Quarterback-wise, when you look at uh, Gannon, you know, Gannon was a, was a wily old veteran, and but he's also someone that would challenge back to what Gruden was saying was doing at the time. And so sometimes he does need that person that kind of fires back a little bit. And so hopefully Carr kind of gets that back, um, he's going to fire back. Just, just as long as he has that fire, like I said, and again, that aura of invincibility that he kind of had before where he really believes that he can will the team into making things happen, I think he'll be fine. Uh, what you're saying earlier, too, where it seemed like Amari kind of maybe had a little bit of a shell going on over in Oakland, um, where Antonio, uh, I think, just wants to put on a show. And I think that I think I think because of the relationship building that um, Carr seems to do with the guys that play around him, um, and and I think he does kind of respect, and I think he woke up to Antonio Brown to a certain degree. So I do think there will be times, and a coach, you cringe with this. You don't want your guy forcing balls to the guys, but I do think he will have times where he'll force balls to Antonio Brown. But I do think it'll end up being a good situation. <laughs> Strangely enough, so. Again, as a coach, you always want guys to kind of go through certain reads and do certain things. You kind of hate them forcing certain balls, but sometimes those things work out really well. Um, one of the, I always call it the Eli Manning rule, I tell my quarterbacks, and that's the third down rule where, hey, sometimes the reads might break down, so what you're going to do is just throw the ball to your best guy and let him bail your ass out. <laughs> so, <laughs> and Eli, the years that Eli Manning has been really good at historically in the NFL is when he had like Plexico Burris, uh, you know what I mean? When he had guys that could kind of bail him out. So so a Antonio can definitely be a guy that can bail you out of a lot of situations. And I think that will drive Carr's confidence into getting back into being the car that we knew. Yeah, and you were saying how veteran guys, back to being you know, they, they couldn't, I mean, they weren't those Hall of Fame caliber yet. And, I mean, Antonio Brown has already proved, proved himself to be, like, the best wide receiver in the game. Does you see him? be drafted number one, number two in fantasy drafts in every in almost every league and you know, I mean and he's definitely one of the top wide receivers taken off the board. And with that veteran presence that you were saying how Gruden needs, you know, he's he's going to have that in Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown seems bought into that system because, you know, that was one of the places he he wanted to go because, you know, that relationship he built his car over at the Pro Bowl, that was huge for him in order for him to, you know, buy into Oakland because, you know, without Carr, he wouldn't have bought into Oakland. And who knows where Oakland would be without, I mean, let's not speculate on where Oakland would be without Brown. But, you know, um, that, that addition is really going to help, you know, push, them over the top because you need that chemistry on a team because that that's what's going to help your team out. You go, you know you can lean on guys. You know you can trust them on and off the field when they have you know that much camaraderie that they build together over throughout time over time because you know you see them all joking the first day you saw them hang out with each other in Oakland and you saw them hit each other up on Twitter on social media and all you know you, you see that camaraderie. In public, and you know, that's just great to show. You know, that's just great for a team, of course. You know, where they need that help, and you know, further solidifying car, further helping car out, and cars 
I believe will become what he was a couple of seasons back, one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. You know, because, you know, right now you look at Big Ben's getting older. You, you know, Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady looks like he can play forever, but we all know. I mean, the co- common rule is, I shall say, is that Brady, you know, with age, it's going to, you know, diminish your ability to play a little. And, you know, all these former greats are getting older. Stafford's not where he used to be. You know, you look at all these players. They're not what they used to be, and there's a perfect opportunity for Carr to step up into the upper echelon because of the weapons that he has at his disposal. Like I said, a lot of it just comes down into understanding the offense and what they're trying to do now, or and just just what Gruden allows him to be able to. And I, and the thing, as long as Gruden allows him to play to his strength, then I think absolutely he's gonna. He has. He definitely has the talent. He has the and again, those little things that some people, I guess, will never really understand. And because this, this is kind of funny when I do coach my high school guys and the conversations we have after they've understood, you know, how to read a defense and, and you know, how to make certain throws and understanding the difference between a one, a two, and a three ball and all those wonderful technical aspects of it. And sometimes we'll break down and I'll just be like, hey, are you going to talk to your receivers yet? How are you with your guys on the sidelines? Because when you're with guys that like you and want to play for you as a quarterback, so not just your leadership, like, oh, you're going to disappoint them, but when they actually like you and respect you, when you, they have that extra, they put that extra into play. And and I've seen this at all kind of levels. I've seen this from a Pop Warner level and you see this at the NFL level. A lot of times people won't pay attention early in the playoffs. You'll see a team where they've all banded together. And so you see them making these extra plays. You see the little bit of extra effort that goes on there at the NFL level. Everybody is great. People somehow forget that because sometimes we're looking comparative, but everybody at some point in their career was great. They were either the greatest high school player. They were the greatest college player at some point. Everybody there is great. So at that point it just becomes, is this just a business for me? Or is this because I still love playing football? Because if I don't like the people that I'm playing with, it becomes a business. So then I'm going to make business decisions on this. But like you're saying, that seem what seemed like was going on in Twitter and those things with Carr and with Brown, it seems like this is now a foot like we love playing football and we can't wait to play football together. And we're going to show everyone what we can do. We have points to prove. Carr has to prove that he's still that guy, that he's not one hit wonder and that he's washed up. Brown has to prove that, hey, I'm the thing that was making it tick over there at, at, at uh, Pittsburgh and this bad relationship that broke up, you know, I'm not the fault for that. I need to show everyone that I'm the guy, and then they should have done everything they could to keep on. So the, this is the synergy that they're going to have going into this season as a as a quarterback receiver tandem that hopefully I said just explodes into this wonderful change. You know, where we flip from a four and twelve team into a twelve and four playoff. Yeah, and you know Gruden has already proven that they he can get to the playoffs as a team and win a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay, and you know. It takes a special type of coach to win a Super Bowl. I mean, you can take any team to a playoff. I mean, you got to take almost any team to a playoff. But it takes a special coach to get you there. Special type of players who buy in. We'll to- be right back after this. You're listening to Spit in Silver and Black on the Silver Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation. <laughs> <laughs> 